everyone always has something to say relative to education. I think the fact that so many people have opinions and perspectives on the schools is wonderful. School districts are very complicated. I will tell you that assumptions get made and sometimes they're correct and many times they are not. And I want to help people understand. We are educating kids for their future, not our past. Jeff Rose. I'm your co-host, and we're here continuing our topic of safety. If you'll recall in the back half of episode three, we started to list some of the topics we're going to cover in the podcast, and we really settled on safety as the number one hot-button important issue for both leaders and parents and students. And so we're going to introduce a new guest to continue this topic today. But we talked in episode four, Jeff. Right. We were talking with David yeah. and Kathy from the Summit Counseling Center. And, you know, the umbrella of safety, as we mentioned, is, right. is large. There's a, a lot of things that kind of hang underneath safety. And one of the things that we addressed and really just touched on, because it's a very deep topic, and David and Kathy did a marvelous job filling us in based upon their experience and expertise is this concept of anxiety and the social and emotional needs of students, which is part of safety because it leads to sometimes some you know, dramatic repercussions in terms of what kids experience and sometimes some very dangerous situations kids find themselves in. Right. We talked about if you see something, say something. We talked about certain strategies that uh, they recommended. And so today we're going to, again, continue this topic with another expert. And Jeff, you're going to introduce him in just a little bit. I will say that this this topic, if you know, we, we have a lot of educators that listen to this, but some of them are parents and, and hopefully we'll have other parents that, that you know, kind of get hip to your podcast as well. But this is such a huge issue to all of us. Every time we see something happen and we read about it or we see it on the television or whatever, we wonder is, you know, is are our schools that where my kids go doing everything they can, you know, to to you know, to make our kids as safe as possible. And then the other question in my mind is, do my kids feel safe? Is it, you know, when they, you know, right. are they, do they feel safe? And it's not enough if I feel they're safe. They need to as well. And I know you're going to address that. So, well, the, and there, there's a couple of reasons why this topic is so important is because it touches everyone, right? So this touches the student, this touches our community and our families and all educators who are really responsible to provide a safe and caring and nurturing environment. It's just something that we all pay attention to and ends up being what we consider, or at least we say is our number one priority. But what's interesting about this is over the years, my time in education, I've noticed even though public education is sometimes a slow-moving ship in terms of you know, being able to pivot and change directions, we have. There's a lot of things we have started to move the dial on relative to issues in education. 
However, I still think we're struggling with this. Yeah. I think that there are a number of things that we could point to that we know we are improving on. Right. And while I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, we are improving. I still think our anxiety is ramping up yeah. over time. Well, it's like you said, the situation is important and it's not solved. So we know in 2018, we had the greatest number of violent and gun-related incidences, somewhere between 82 and 94. And by the way, stats vary depending upon what publication you're reading. Right. And by this measure, 2018 had really was our worst in terms of deaths and injuries with approximately 163 casualties compared with the previous high of 97 in 1986. We know there's been big increases over the decades, and it's actually never been higher than 35 in a particular year, which is about a fifth of the 2018 level. And by the way, more teachers are being attacked by students than ever before. Now, in the meantime, wow. you can read this you know, this conflicting data, right? Mm. There's a lot of information that will say, yeah, but schools are still safer than they've ever been. There's some that talk about, you know, school-related homicides compared to some other years are actually down. That schools are actually more secure because of the efforts and the presence of gangs have also, de you know, decreased. And we know schools are doing incredible things and efforts related to trying to improve safety. So there's the physical surveillance. So there's been a 400% increase in terms of cameras, which includes weapon deterrence, the presence of security guards and officers on campus. School policies are now designed to prevent violence by punishing those who perpetuate violence. There's instruction-based programs like we talked about last week that are really focused on some of the precursors of violence, which include bullying profiling potentially violent students, counseling at-risk students, conflict mediation resolution. We're doing a lot of things in schools. However, uh, based upon my experience as an educational leader, a principal, a superintendent of three specific districts, I can tell you two things that is kind of like the however to this. Number one, while data is important and really helps us communicate and focuses on the cerebral reaction we know that there will never be the kind of reaction when it's a, compared to an emotional one. When something happens to what's most important, which is our kids, we have an emotional reaction, and we need to pay attention to that. And I can tell you that in multiple districts, as I have kind of gone through a variety of scenarios, whether they are close to you, like Parkland was for us, and I think that, that had the most dramatic impact and reaction that I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. But every single time there is an emotional reaction when a catastrophic or disturbing issue happens, students, staff, and the public, they react. I mean, I can tell you this as a principal once, and this is just one story of many. I was in the front office and a parent came who actually didn't have custody over their own child and should not have been on campus. And we understood that right away, and I was asked to usher this gentleman out, and he was not going to leave. And clearly there was something happening uh, with him. I assumed that um, he was some sort of intoxicant in some way, shape, or form, and he was struggling. And um, there was a face-off between he and I, mm. 
and he was not going to leave, and also told me that he had a weapon. Oh. And so he and I had this period of time where I'm trying to talk this gentleman down. And by the way, it turned out just fine. It ended up okay. Eventually, um, the police arrived. We had done all the protocols correctly. However, that incident that probably only lasted a couple of minutes created weeks of panic in the building. And how long was he unconscious after you did the the, the headlock thing? Or I, I'm not allowed to discuss. Oh, you, you know, can't disclose my, that. Okay, yeah, that's I mean, a more of a these, medical These detail. hands yeah. are, you know, should be registered weapons. Got but, it. But I don't want well, to talk that's, about Well, I mean, that's a really, that's a, that's a crazy story. I'm sure you've got more. And we, I have many, but that's one issue yeah. is, you know, that when there is, there's just an emotional reaction. Um, and then the other is this, that I know as an educator, and we know through brain research that students need to be safe, of course, but they need to feel safe. Right. It's, right. it's, it's clear. And being a victim of school violence or students feeling unsafe contributes to symptoms of depression, which can be detrimental to students' learning and reaching their potential. We know students who feel safe, they're more attentive, they're more efficient in the classroom, they report fewer symptoms of depression, and they perform better academically and socially. I mean, let's go back to the, the basic rule of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The first, the first need is the right. physiological, is it, yep. right? right? The second one safety. is safety. Right. They have to feel safe. And you can't go up the hierarchy until you, you got the foundation of those physiological And so that, there yeah. are just a number of issues our kids are struggling through that we need to pay attention to. And I, I think that really brings us to this physical safety um, topic and therefore, I just think it makes a lot of sense to introduce our guest at this point, because what I've learned is when school districts, from a leadership perspective, when I am asked, especially after incidents, what we're going to do to improve our systems and our infrastructure to provide heightened level of safety for students, I've always known that I don't have the answer. Yeah. I'm not trained. Right. I have seen things. I have experienced things. But... I am not the expert. What I have learned is for us to do really well by students, we need to tap experts. We need to reach out and own this dilemma and the solutions with others, Mm. police forces, cities, often even people who can come help us with assessments of our buildings, the FBI if necessary, Whatever is needed, school districts can't and shouldn't own this on their own. And therefore, sometimes it helps to talk with people who know more than we do. Absolutely. Which, you know, brings us to a guest today. That's right. Excited about this. So I'm going to introduce Wesley McCall. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about him. And Wesley is actually a new school board member in Forsyth County. And this started years ago. Wesley did not know that apparently, but as he's, his son was in kindergarten, he found himself volunteering, and that led to reading in the classrooms and math groups, uh, becoming a mentor, um, working uh, to help with a science lab at Sawney Elementary. Wesley's very involved at the school, and then also was on the PTA board and serving on the local school council for two different schools, so he was being groomed, whether he knew it or not. Um, Wesley's involvement with student development has spanned many different avenues, including church youth groups, founder of the Emerging Leaders Program through the North Fulton Leaderships, uh, working with the Georgia Department of Education to develop career path curriculum for public safety and industry, Boy Scout leader, and has served 
on several education boards before being elected as a new school board member. Now, here's the kicker. This is what's so impressive, is that for over 20 years, he's also been a leader in public safety and currently serves the deputy chief for Alpharetta Public Safety. So the fact that he's wearing those two hats is impressive. And the last five years, he's been doing that, which really is about overseeing public safety operations, which includes police, fire, and 911. Um, Before that, he was a division chief for two years. He was a battalion chief for the city of Alpharetta Fire Department prior to that. And then for 13 years prior to that, he was the captain with the Alpharetta Department of Public Safety. So um, he has just a little bit of experience and bring some expertise to the Yeah, a few qualifications that we require as a guest. Absolutely. So I'm going to dive right in. Yeah, Yeah, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I think this is a great opportunity. And we're thrilled. And so I'm going to jump in with, you know, question number one, and we'll see where it goes from there. But, you know, being on the school board and with your extensive background in public safety, can you just talk generally about how you view school safety? So I'm very fortunate, I believe, to be able to serve some of the most important aspects of government, and that's with public safety and public education. And when I walk into a school, whether it be an elementary school, a middle school, or even a high school, It's normal for me to see students interacting with each other, teachers smiling, engaging the students, uh, kindergartners playing on the playground, kickball. All that exists because school safety is our number one priority. Our students today are attending schools in challenging times. I think back when I was in school and school violence was never mentioned. Today, it's a reality for all of our students. I believe that we face two challenges when it comes to school safety. The first challenge is everybody must realize that school safety is everyone's responsibility. There used to be a time where the students and parents looked at the teacher for the sole responsibility of school safety. The teachers then looked at the principals and administration to provide that safe environment. And then the principals looked at the school board or local law enforcement to provide that safe environment. Like I said, today it's everyone's responsibility. We need to be open and talk about safety measures and practice these safety measures. The students today, if you remember when we went to school, we had two kind of drills, the tornado drill and the fire alarm drill. Well, and then Jeff and I had the earthquake drill. That's right. That's right. right. Being from the West Coast. Southern that California. Was, yeah. We, we never experienced that we here We didn't have the tornado. We didn't have tornadoes in we did Diego. not have tornadoes. Yeah. Maybe maybe similar structure. Really, was about getting under the desk. That's true, right? There was yeah, there yeah, was yeah. that for our for our drill, and then of course the fire drill. To your point, yeah. even as a teacher, as a fourth and fifth grade teacher, when I entered the classroom, school safety was very different, and I was not trained. And if someone were to ask me what does school safety mean to me as a teacher, I would have talked about issues of bullying and harassment and making sure my students were not physically fighting. Right? That's how I thought. Yeah, that was teacher. safety back then. And back then yeah, it was. You're right. right? Yeah, that and was safety. Now school no safety <laughs> has a purely different connotation. And to your point, our kids are in the middle of that. They are. They're, they're right in the middle of it. And some people might think that as being unfortunate. I think it's fortunate that our students need to realize that at a young age. And, you know, we need to look past it. This is the way it's always been done and look for the future and how we can incorporate better safety measures and practices to keep everybody safe in our schools. Well, I like what you said about, you know, the attitude has to be that it's everybody's job. 
Um, I think right now, you know, we roll up and we drop our kids off and we see the SRO there and, and we think, oh, he's got it. You know, he's, I can't even wrap my arms around this guy. He's enormous. And, and yet, and so maybe the teachers are like, well, we got the SRO. We're fine. Right. I guess everybody on the listening to this knows what an SRO is, right? School resource officer. Right. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's, it maybe it, it, it leads to a little complacency. I think it certainly does for me. If I don't see him, I'm like, Hey, where's the, where's the dude that's supposed to be at the door. But your point is everybody's got to take ownership of this. Right, Wes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's different programs out there to get parents involved in the schools. I remember when I was volunteering at my son's school, they had the watchdog dads and that just got you know, parents or fathers into the school system, into daily school, and that provided a sense of security for not only the students, but for the teachers. And that's wow. one of the things that we got to remember. It's not always about the students. It's about the teachers and making sure that they understand school safety, that they understand what tools are available for them and how they should act. So as you know now, as a new school board member, and I've, I've always faced this challenge relative to resource, right? We look at what our uh, revenue is going to be, and we build a budget accordingly. However, when, these are, when there is a disastrous situation, we naturally have this emotional reaction, and we want to increase security. We want to increase the number of school resource officers. Yeah. We want to start looking at you know, other walls of defense, so to speak, but literally more fencing, more locked door scenarios, which by the way, these are all important for us to consider. There's all these interesting ideas and discussions, even one recently over the past couple of years about the potential of teachers being armed or should they be allowed. So these are reactions to a reality. So when we then bring that reality down to resource, Right, what we can actually afford, what would your recommendation for us be, not in terms of maybe what we should try to afford, but maybe the line of thought that we should consider? No, I think it's a great question. And to go back to one of my second challenges that I think that we're facing with school safety is the fact that we need to find things that don't cost a lot of money, but change the culture and what people think about when they come to school. And I know in your previous podcast, you talked a lot about the See Something, Say Something campaign. Mm, And that is a campaign that works. I like to see it as a nudge that something is not right. However, we still have that mentality out there that, hey, maybe it's not my place to say something, or maybe I don't want to hurt that student's feelings, or I don't want to step on that toe because I could be wrong. And we need to get away from that. It doesn't cost any money, but we need to make sure that the teachers, the principals, the guidance counselors, when they're notified of this, they have a nudge. Hey, this student's not doing so well. They have a way to turn it over to the professionals, turn it over to the school resource officers. Maybe there's a school safety officer available. Turn it over to them and then let them determine if this is an issue or not. I'd rather have 10, or 10 to 15 nudges and everything be okay than no nudge at all and something bad happens. As a public safety leader and a community leader as a Board of Education representative, that's the biggest hurdle I have is trying to balance the available resources. And I think for educators and for advice for other school districts is collaboration and transparency. 
And when I say collaboration, collaboration is imperative that school systems work with their local law enforcement, their fire departments, or any other emergency management staff that they have available in that community. Collaboration is the best way to prioritize the school safety with the available resources. In Forsyth County, we have a great working relationship with our sheriff's office. And we have a lot of new initiatives that we are working on that we have partnered. So we're using the available resources that the sheriff have and connecting it with what we have with the Board of Education. And we're making school safety priority number one. For example, the sheriff's office has some training equipment that they use for just quick decision making. And they didn't have a place to store this equipment. Well, our new Alliance Academy had an area of the school that we weren't using, so we allowed the sheriff to come in and put the equipment there. So now during the day, the sheriff's office is in and out of that school. There you go. Yeah. There's 15 sheriff cars parked out front. <laughs> They're doing training. It has a sense of safety for our schools. So I think it's very imperative that we have collaboration between the two. I had to take new school board member training down in South Georgia. And I talked to a lot of new school board members about collaboration with their local sheriff or law enforcement. And I was astonished about the amount of school boards that don't have that relationship with their sheriff. And I think that's, that's not right. You have to have that collaboration to work together. The other thing is transparency. I think that the school system should be open to communication on what's going on. I'm not saying to release all the detailed information that might jeopardize an investigation or safety in the school, but you have to release the facts. If we're not releasing the facts, then we'll, the students, the teachers, the parents, they're all talking about it. And so the school has to be forthcoming with the information on what's going on and educate people what school safety is, what's actually the threats, what are the risk assessments that are coming in our city, in our, our counties, in our schools. Uh, we just have to be open to that and be very transparent to that. You know, what's interesting about that transparency thing is that um, it, is, it is challenging, right? Because there, there, there is information that is collected at the district level that sometimes can't nor should Absolutely. be released um, because if it was released that could create further panic and then by the way add to the lack of students feeling safe however to your point there are things that happen in the school and when they do happen people talk and when they talk and then they operate based upon the game of telephone <laughs> yeah. and especially with social media now being present that somehow the real story becomes convoluted and sometimes even more complex than it actually was. And therefore, exactly to your point, a new skill set that I think school districts and leaders are learning over time is how to be transparent, when to be transparent, to help with that feeling of safety. Because if community knows the following things happen and they were dealt with in the following ways, it really helps build confidence. I agree. So this, this reminds me of a story. I'll be quick, but I was in a school district. I was serving as superintendent. And there, and the, this situation was this. A student ended up attacking one of the staff members and um, actually uh, beating him up pretty badly. Um, and what seemed really unfortunate at the time and really sad ended up being a good thing because upon further investigation it was found out that this student 
actually had access. Access to a lot more opportunities to do more damage, specific to weaponry, etc. Now, we had the FBI investigate. We had the FBI at this district do an assessment of that specific situation and then provide us with a series of recommendations. I was prepared for something for which I did not receive. I was prepared for something that would really focus on budget, physical safety, etc. The number one recommendation by the FBI was you need to work on the culture and climate of the school. Now, of course, we answered back and my question back and I asked, what do you mean by that? Let's be specific. And they said, well, you need to ensure that this school and all of your schools People can talk. Students can talk to each other, and students can talk to adults, and adults to adults. It needs to be a place when people see something, they can discuss this. Because by the way, students knew about the potential dangers of this student and just hadn't said anything. Yep. So with safety and security in on our campuses being a priority, and the fact that school safety includes bullying, harassment, issues with social media, the social-emotional challenges, and those consequences. What do you think are unsolved issues for communities and schools? Almost like what do you see kind of around the bend based upon your expertise? So this is a hard question, uh, and I know that's why what you do is you ask hard questions. I ask hard questions, and I expect really good answers. I'm on my way here. Okay, good. As an involved parent um, over the last couple of years and now as a new school board member, I'm starting to find that the why of education is evolving every day. From creating a safe environment to social and emotional learning to relationship intelligence, teaching students how to really build relationships with each other, to career paths, to performing arts, to clubs, and of course to sports. Public education is now responsible for all of this. Hmm. So I think that's one of the things that we need to look at is the why of education. And if that's what the purpose of public education is, then we need to own that. And we need to own that as educators, and we need to own that as community leaders. And so I think that the challenge moving forward is to be engaged. Let's make this a community-driven process. So I believe it just takes a village to raise our students. And that means educators, parents, coaches, youth ministers, and community leaders all coming together to engage education for the next generation. You know, in in podcast number one, as I was going through the issues that I want to bring up over time. One of them is that exact same thing. I asked the question of, so whose job is it? Whose job is it to raise and educate students? And we're going to talk about this eventually. I'm really glad you brought it up now. It is everyone's. If we want to be great, if we want to do great by our students, which we all do, we can't rely on the teacher. It's the teacher and. We can't just rely on the parent. It's the teacher and the parent. But it goes beyond that to your point, right? It's an all-hands-on-deck strategy if we want to do well by students. But to your point, we want to keep them safe. Yes, absolutely. Wesley, what surprises me is is really what you didn't say. So I didn't hear you say 
we need barricades and we don't need, um, I didn't hear metal detectors. I didn't hear walls or fences or chain link or anything like that or concertina wire. So it's interesting that the, the solution seems to be, <laughs> seems to be communication. It seems to be collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. And now those things are all tools that may be used uh, in each school district. It's different. Each community is different. And there are some communities that maybe they need metal detectors, um, but there are also some communities where they might just need a nice person to sit at the front desk to be able to welcome everybody that comes into the building. You know, believe it or not, that's a security measure when you first walk into the building. Um, there's all kinds of things out there, but it actually goes down to what each community needs are. As well as the individual school, Absolutely. right? So for example, several schools within a community, if you truly assess the facility and do a you know thorough job yeah, of that, you profile. may notice that in one school, there needs to be a different level of fencing based upon its proximity to a sure. very busy road or you know the line of sight from the parking lot to the front entrance needs, you know, some sort of barricade there that will protect students as they walk in and out, whatever that may be. But, you know, I think to, to Wesley's point, it's, it's always going to be a bit different school to school. And the overarching the issue is communication and the concept that we all have to own safety. We can't just rely on a resource or a silver bullet strategy. So, Jeff, you've been a three-time superintendent, multiple schools. You've been a principal. You've been a teacher. Uh, as it relates to this topic, what have you learned? What would you recommend? So we, we need to remember this is a process. And actually, it starts with an emotional step. There is an emotional reaction when tragedies happen. Yeah. And we need to acknowledge the emotion and learn and move from there. Now, my disclaimer for this show is that we're just touching on this issue. Mm. I mean, Wesley's here doing an incredible job, and this is just touching on. In fact, we'll have to do more shows specific to this topic to truly to truly kind of cover something as vital as an, right. and as important. But if you remember back to 99, Columbine, right. the country we were spinning, and we went through this process of learning what is possible when people put the kind of effort as those students at that particular school put into the planning and, you know, unfortunately, um, the, the absolute massacre that happened in that school. Mm-hmm. Remember Sandy Hook in 2012? Yeah. That also created this intense learning for us and reaction specific to how people enter mm-hmm. and exit the building, if you remember that. Yeah. That was the question that we all asked of, wait a minute, can anybody walk into schools? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, last year, you know, at uh, Marjorie Stoneman and Douglas and in Parkland, another reaction about if we know something about students, what is done prior to? And some of the things that sometimes are done and some things are not done, but once again, sometimes lead to tragedy. So, you know, basically I'll say this, that, when there is a tragedy and there is emotion, we need to start by recognizing it, but we need to follow up with, when my mind being very intentional, being very thoughtful, and working towards consistent solutions. Now, I will say not political solutions. <laughs> when I say political solutions, usually those come in the throes of the emotion. Right. 
So for example, I am not an expert. I'm going to give you some of my thoughts as it relates to kind of top recommendations, but those are just based on what I've learned from other people along the way. I will tell you that concept of every teacher owning a gun, I think that that was an emotional reaction. Yeah. That immediately right. after last year, we started this discussion on whether teachers should be able to carry guns, all of them. Right, right. And I will tell you, I'm not saying that's the wrong answer, the right answer. I just think that was a political reaction sure. based upon emotion. And I think we need to acknowledge the emotion, but we also need to be really thoughtful in our process and make sure that we tap into the expertise right. um, as we can find it. So, But this is what I've learned in terms of some really important top steps in terms of securing the building. And once again, my disclaimer, I'm not the expert. This is just what I've learned over time. And these are not in order. We talked earlier about collaboration with educated entities. Specifically, external law enforcement should be engaged with internal security of the school system. Mm -hmm. They need to be on the same page. Specific to preventative measures as well as what if an incident happens? What does that reaction and those protocols, what do they look like? As we described, we need to have this climate and culture where students feel safe, that they can talk to an adult. Sure. There's an expectation that they talk to an adult. This is the see something, say something. Right. Very, very important. Campus assessments. I, um, I'm an advocate of making sure that experts come in to determine some of the vulnerabilities school to school, campus to campus within your mm -hmm. environment. They're all very different. And what's important about that is they help prioritize and keep you focused specific to first, you know, your primary steps, mm -hmm. and then allow people such as myself, leaders, to assess, you know, your resources from what you can do. And then the things you can't do, well, then once again, it's time to start partnering. Mm -hmm. um, safety protocols. And this comes down just to train, train, train consistently. You and I have talked about this, Jason. Do you know exactly what to do when there's a fire drill? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We all do. Right. We all do. Stop, drop, and roll. We have been, well, <laughs> not in a fire drill. Oh, yeah, fire drill. Okay. Right. Yeah, you're talking about right. the, when, they, when you know it's coming or right. when the, they pull it? E either or. Right, right. right. We, we know how yeah. what to do. We know the concept of oh, exiting yeah. the building in an orderly fashion. Right. Students learn this in kindergarten because we've been practicing it been for decades. Right, yeah. Now, in terms of practice, when it comes to something like an active shooting drill, that's uncomfortable. Yeah. But guess what? We have to understand the protocols, and we have to train. Right. And we are not there. We don't know the active shooter drills in our schools, I mean throughout the country, right. like we do a fire drill. Sure. In my opinion, we probably should. Yeah. And that's controversial, by the way. Some it people is. think, well, of course, but... Some of the things we need to teach students in order to train for that are really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the yeah. run, hide, fight method. I'm not going to go into sure. the specifics of that, but that makes students and parents uncomfortable, especially right. as you get into the younger ages. But my point is we have to embrace those safety plans, mm -hmm. and we need to practice. Yeah. I also think building access, this door security Right. is a really important step. 
Mm-hmm. Now, not all school districts, I know this, can afford you know a buzzing system where you go and you you buzz in the front door, you ask for you know ask to be admitted into the building, and you know etc. Not all can afford that. Those that can, well, you should make sure that you have protocols to practice it. I mean, mm-hmm. make sure that you follow those protocols. Oh yeah, very specifically, and that's just not the front door. That's all exterior doors. Right, and that's a big step because number one. Consistent training helps send a very clear message outside of the building to parents and community that you can't just waltz in here. Right. Right? Right. Um, And then just the preventative structures. And this is some of the monitoring that happens. It sometimes leads to students saying something. But in this day and age, there's some really impressive technologies that are out there. Some social media monitoring. This is the what some people, I would say a few years ago, I know for a fact... It was very controversial, this right. concept of big brother monitoring of social media. Right. Well, it's not as controversial anymore. Now, now it happens all the time. It happens everywhere, all the by time. By other agencies it, as correct. well. Correct. And right. so school districts are starting to lean into this, especially with the help of some you know, really impressive products and companies out there that um, can, can really help. And this isn't monitoring everything students say in social media. It has language algorithms that track sure. when there are dangerous things. Keywords, yeah. And then help right. report that to the school district. So the school district and the law enforcement can engage and try to prevent even the potential right. of something just really dangerous happening. Right. Well, we certainly appreciate you being here, Wesley. I think you added a, a tremendous depth to this, uh, to this conversation. Any, any last words or anything you want to leave us with? I just want to say thank you to you guys for actually having this conversation. Uh, I think it's very important just to be able to talk about the importance of school safety and the ways that we can work together to uh, make sure that's number one priority. If you go, one of the favorite things I love to do is go talk to high school students and get them involved in their local community and local politics. And this is the number one question that I get from high school students. What are you guys doing for the Board of Education for school safety? And it's because they know it, they see it every day, and they know it's important. Mm. And so, to me, I'm just really grateful that you guys are having this conversation. I think we should do more of this because this is exactly what it's about. listening to Leading Education with Jeff Rose, hosted by Jason Pace and Jeff Rose, and recorded at Serendipity Labs in Alpharetta, Georgia. We are produced and edited by Carson Pace. Our theme music is by Full Year of Panic. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next week.